How is everybody doing? And welcome back for another Strength Chat episode. Today, I've got a very special guest for you, making his Strength Chat debut. Today, I'm joined by the coach behind the New Zealand Powerlifting Academy. Today, I am joined by the one and only Dominic Basabas. How are you doing? Hey, how you doing, Stephen? I am very well. Um, thanks a lot for taking the time to, to jump on. How are you? What's been happening in your world recently? Yeah, I'm good. Busy. Um, busy is good, you know, um, for our line of work. Um, and uh, yeah, we got nationals coming up next week. So just prepping for that. Um, yep. Uh, programs that will happen afterwards, uh, competition sheets and all that kind of stuff. Just wrapping up pretty much the peaking bit of you know, the business bit of the program. So, yeah, pretty busy. Oh, nice. <laughs> Uh, and how many how many lifters have you got going to going to nationals as well? Oh, that's a good question. <laughs> <laughs> um, I got six on the men's. I think I've got nine or ten on the women's. So yeah, yeah, oh, nice. 16 to, yeah. Oh, nice. And I know obviously you know things are getting relatively back to normal, but I know um, in terms of uh, COVID, New Zealand was sort of ahead of the game in terms of, you know, lockdown and being able to keep things ticking over. How did you kind of find things over the over, over the last couple of years? Was it business as usual? Was anything affected by that? Or how did you kind of get on? Yeah, we were pretty affected. Uh, well, not with the COVID stuff, but with the lockdowns from a business standpoint quite a bit. Um, initially it was a little bit wild, um, cause you know, no one's really, um, <laughs> gone, gone through that stuff before. Um, the, you know, we had, I think one or two more, uh, lockdowns right after. And then we had a really long one. We had like a 104 day one. Um, you know, so what it mainly affected were competitions, um, and also like, uh, face-to-face -face training. So in that sense, like, uh, kind of had to sharpen up, like, the online side of things, um, uh, which was always a part of my business, but it, it the on-site, you know, team training has 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 been, a, you know, a much much larger part, obviously, for my end. Um, the face-to-face -face interactions, you know, like being there live, seeing the movements, but also, yeah, like helping create like team training culture and all that. That that's really valuable for us. Um, so glad that's over with and, and, you know, we're back to like, you know, being able to see each other and, and train with each other. Yeah, definitely. And especially because one thing I picked up on there when you said about sort of the community side of things, I know from because um, it felt as though the, the gyms over in the UK had just been shut down for for, for ages. Um, and, you know, a lot more people wanted to get involved in sort of the strength sports and train with each other and build that community up a little bit. Did you kind of see um, maybe a little bit of increase in people looking, you know, for powerlifting coaches or looking to get involved in in strength training? Um, we're, well, in my, in my opinion, for our scene here in um, New Zealand, we're kind of in a growth phase of the sport. Um, we have been for a little while now. Um, and what I've seen is more of the growth of the kind of the young new coaches um, that are really, really trying to get into it, you know, training up a lot of the, um, well, I don't want to, uh, I don't want to shoebox them, but a, a lot of the novice and taking those people in. And, you know, there's a lot of established coaches that well, like myself, for example, my brand might be somewhat intimidating for a lot of those newer novice um, uh, lifters. Um, so yeah, it, it's kind of been good that we've had a lot of these like, uh, you know, newer coaches that are taking in and, and like have that kind of pathway for the no novice lifters that are looking um, for those 
kind of entry level coaches or not to like I said not to shoebox them or anything <laughs> but yeah yeah, definitely. And I, I always think with that because, you know, um, I, I started off coaching, um, you know, novices, you know, when I first started, you know, after after competing for a while and then gravitating more towards sort of the, the powerlifting side of coaching, it's kind of, um, I always think that if the, if the coaches uh, progress in their experience, then the lifters go from novices to intermediates and they can progress from there, which is, you know, only good for the sport to, you know, increase that m- amount of people competing, but also, you know, the level of coaches that are, that are coming through as well to be able to learn from, you know, the more experienced, the experienced coaches out there. Um, from the uh, start, obviously, I did quite a, a brief introduction. Um, but for anyone listening who doesn't know your background, how you got involved in coaching, um, your involvement in powerlifting, just want to give a little bit of a background to yourself. Yeah, so for me, um, I started coaching when I was 16, um, sports uh, coaching. Um, and But I got into powerlifting coaching around about 2000 nine ish and then uh so and then getting into competing uh in co- uh in powerlifting or strength sports 2012 so um my my intro to um powerlifting is actually through weightlifting slash crossfit <laughs> okay um so i got love i like i love for crossfit like um mainly because like my background like i said is from sports in um did a bit of wrestling and then I was like, okay, we've got to get stronger. So let's do a little bit of CrossFit, a little bit of weightlifting, and then powerlifting through there. Um, and at, at that 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 part of um, you know powerlifting time or whatever, uh, or yeah, you know, it's quite green. And the, there's you know a lot of the names that you hear nowadays weren't there yet, you know. Um, and yeah, it was it was interesting to me, and I just kind of got into it that way, started competing, and then just never kind of looked back. Oh, cool. And especially with, you know, um, especially when, you know, we're speaking to other coaches, you know, on the, the content that you put out there and the, the, the lifters that you work with, who were kind of um, your influences or when you were starting out coaching, who did you kind of look to and, and learn from? Because, you know, it, it's kind of one of those things. It's when people see, you know, your brand or your content, it's kind of interesting to be like, well, who do then you you know, look at and, 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 and try and learn from? Um, so from my formative years of um, coaching, um, there were a lot of loud voices in the industry preaching about, you know, basically how to train and claiming, you know, superior methods over each other. It's still pretty much the same. Um, you know, and the schools of thoughts had like all differing opinions on like sets, reps, intensity, periodization, all that kind of stuff. Um, but you know, you ask about my influences. I like what I like to. What I like to think is my influence is pretty much everyone, because like most of those loud voices all have relative success in their own right. You know what I mean? Like, or they have like uh, legitimate claims to success, and they're not. You know, like let's say just like uh, just R.I.P. Louis Simmons. Like you know, like um, like just with the West Side guys, for example, like. I'm sure they don't want to preach about their methods if it doesn't work for them, right? Yeah. Same with the linear periodization camp, same with the DUP camp. They wouldn't preach it if it doesn't work for them. Um, you know, I, I kind of liken it to, you You watch football, not soccer, but football. Yeah, yeah, American football, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, like I liken it to like uh, football coaches with different playbooks, you know what I mean? Um, 
spread offense, you know, like uh, the 22 power suite from Lombardi or, you know, zone read blocks, all those kinds of stuff. Like, you know, they all have success or proven successful in their ventures. They all just have different playbooks. So for me, what I saw um, from a lot of those um, many different loud voices is just basically the sets and the reps and all that kind of stuff. Like we're, we're actually, the athletes are actually more different than they are the same. Um, and it's actually less important. So what I, what I did was basically I paid attention to other things, you know, the commonalities between high achievers. Um, and for me, those commonalities came through like basically the values that um, sports teach or it's supposed to teach um, that those high achievers have, um, well, have in common really, right? Yeah, yeah, um, definitely. I think that yeah, was that. Yeah, absolutely. As I was as I was nodding along, I'm a I'm a big fan of an analogy, um, and I love the fact that you said that. Um, you know, uh, of course, people wouldn't um, put out content out there if they didn't believe it worked for them or the clients that they worked with. And I thought that was a great analogy. Thinking about it's a different it's a different playbook because you know it it all. It all works to a certain extent, depending on depending on who who you're working with. And I think you, because there is, especially now, like you look at you look at Instagram, all you have to do is type in powerlifting, and loads of loads of coaches or athletes will pop up. <coughs> and there's so much information in there to maybe you know um, a, a few years ago where there wasn't maybe as much information, and you know it seems as though powerlifting is just growing and, and, and growing all the time you only have to look at the um uh, Sheffield competition that's going to be that's going to be you know next year there's a lot of excitement around that and it's not even it's not it's not even happening yet so I think the fact that you know you can learn from different coaches and and different methods and be like right how can I use this with the client that's in front of me so I thought that was a a, a really good a, a really good take on that there and the other thing that you mentioned was the values. Now, for anyone who has seen your um, your website, um, your values are sort of um, uh, right slap bang up there in terms of you know how you how you work as a coach. And I just wanted to you know um, uh, for you to expand on that and why is that important and why is that why are those values um, why you use those values so specifically to your coaching? Um, so I kind of touched on my background um but you know like start coaching since i was 16 um but you know basically from 16 until now like i've always been involved in uh, youth sports coaching right um and if you've ever coached youth sports before a constant theme that you would have been exposed to would be why is sports so important in our society or such an important part of society why do we send our kids to sport um and that theme comes out as basically sport is a drama, dramatization of life, right? Um, it helps us learn um, or develop certain values, you know, where it be fair play or hard work or teamwork or something like that. Um, and that's what I've been exposed to throughout my career. Um, and that coupled with basically what I heard from our, our, our own industry, the strength industry, like, you know, like all the differing methods of training and all that kind of stuff. And what I paid attention to the most is basically, well, if, if training methods are so different, you know, what are the commonalities of the high achievers? And those commonalities, basically, like upon years of like coaching, what I found in, in strength sports specifically, right, because it's an individual thing, <coughs> um, 
those commonalities are like certain values that make the execution of basically the program and the training, nutrition, everything, those values that make that possible, right? Um, and the conclusion, well, that I've come up with, right? Or, or that, I, that I believe is important, the values that I believe are important. And, and these are constantly moving and changing and you know, they're not set in stone. Um, but basically things like, uh, well, the, the four values or five is industriousness, and this is in order, industriousness, um, accountability, uh, discipline, and the two that's kind of interchangeable for me, I haven't fully decided, um, <laughs> is basically um, this, uh, uh, is resilience or patience, right? Because I just kind of, depending on what you're dealing with at the moment, like, you know, those two can kind of be interchangeable, um, you know, in, in terms of values for me. Yeah, definitely. And when you said there in sort of terms in order, <laughs> how did you come to have them in in that order because i know and i speak about this a lot or have spoken about this a lot with um anyone who's looking to get stronger that patience is you know really important you've got to you know be able to put the work in you've got to be you know you can have um the coach there who's going to do the program and get everything ready for you but if you're not you know going to the gym it's kind of like all that programming just is it falls by the wayside so how did you kind of refine that to get to the point where right these are the these are the things that are in order of what we need to what we need to work on and how do you put that across to your clients and athletes um so basically in theory it'll all work in synchronicity right like you wouldn't have to prioritize in theory like you, you can um because the important part to be able to um, develop kind of that, that culture, um, or be intentional in, um, developing the values, um, is the action, right? And in theory, those actions don't necessarily have to conflict, right? So, um, kind of like what you say, you got to put the work in, you know, you have to show up to gym and then it'll take uh, years to develop, right? Um, and that's not necessarily in conflict with each other, but sometimes it can, right? Um, basically industriousness is the top. It's just, you just have to work hard. That's that's all. Um, it, it there's no ways around it, right? So like in the industry right now, like um, or it's it's funny because like you know like if you've been in the game long enough, you you've seen like kind of the ebbs and flow of training, right? So you got the West Side guys, and then I think after that you had the elite FTS guys, you had the Mark Bell kind of crew with um, Dan Green, etc., and you know um, Juggernaut, I think, and then you know, uh, Mike T, and now it's kind of like the Flex RPE 8 single kind of stuff. Um, you know, like, basically, you have that, um, the, the one of the main themes in, in the industry nowadays is that sub-maximal work, right? Yeah, uh, RPE 8 or under. Um, we rarely do that. Um, we can, we do do that, like, we, we can utilize it if it works, and if it's proven to work, or that specific athlete, but we rarely do that because the value suggests that we have to work hard. So it's <laughs> training has to be hard, right? Um, and that 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 is the driving factor. Um, that is a driving factor, and that that trickles down to programming. You know what I mean? Training has to be hard. Um, does that make sense? Like that's kind of like how you how you are more intentional in developing these values is it has to trickle down to every aspect of training, right? Industriousness, yeah, yeah, industriousness for us, it, it, it means just as simple as loading the bars properly. 
Um, yeah, it's it's like what you said there. The the main thing that you said does that you know if it's proven to work or with that um uh, that client or athlete that's actually in in in, in front of you, you know, like what we touched on before, all those things you know work to us to a certain extent. It, what was going around my head there is, I, can't, I it always annoys me. I can't fully remember the the phrase, but it's kind of um, if you are consistent with a crap program. You, you'll make progress because you're just being consistent. Whereas if you've got a good program and aren't sticking to it, doesn't matter how good that program is, you're not going to make progress if you're not if, if you're not putting the work in. What, mm. what what are kind of your thoughts on because you know in different areas of um if we were talking about muscle building or fat loss, some people are always looking for that um that magic pill or that silver bullet to be like this is the one thing that you need to do. Do you think that differs in powerlifting? And it is just a case of, you know, there's no one exercise, there's no rep scheme, there's no, it's kind of, you know, we need to be putting that work in because, you know, it's a sport where your training is essentially what you're going to do on the platform. Well, well, you mentioned it there. You kind of answered your own question. Um, <laughs> yeah, that people think that the one exercise or the one magic pill is, you know, the details. Like, but the one magic pill is like, in my opinion, is are these values like there? It is the work, you know, whichever direction or whichever form that work takes him, right? Um, you know, and don't get me wrong, it's not like you know busting your ass every day and just like, um, you know, probably like my clients will feel like that's what they do, but um, <laughs> um, it, it's not like you know you're maxing out every day or maxing out every every, every set or something like that. Some people industriousness might be holding themselves back because you know or making the right decisions because they constantly you know like a better term they constantly overshoot and it might be difficult for them um but yeah like uh, the the magic pill are are these commonalities like amongst high achievers and the cool part about it is that you don't have to shoebox yourself to powerlifting you can learn this stuff um from high achieving athletes you know, if you're a fan of sport, not just powerlifting, right? If you're a fan of sport, football, basketball, whatever, volleyball, you know, um, whatever you're a fan of, you just listen to all the high achievers and they all pretty much preach the same thing, you know what I mean? But they're all high achievers in their own different sports, you know? Um, and yeah, in my opinion, these, these are it, like industriousness. Accountability is a big one, right? You know, like... Um, uh, it's just be you know being accountable for your for executing your part of 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 the the journey right like being accountable for executing your program your nutrition you know no one like for us as coaches we can't control that you know what i mean like we even if we're a nutrition coach and we write them a plan they still have to do it you know what i mean like um you know things like accountable discipline which is like i know uh work same hand in hand in that that example with nutrition right like they still have to do it. They have to be accountable. And if you're sitting heavy, heading into competition, we, we got a guy right now is uh, you know trying to trying to make weight, right? And then he's like saying right. like how he's he's starving the last three weeks because he didn't check his weight, you know, um, the whole time. Um, I'm like, well, what you do is you basically look at yourself in the mirror, and then you say, you done did this to yourself. <laughs> um, you deserve you deserve to starve like you know what i mean like that kind of stuff um, yeah um, and, I, and as well that makes it because i've been there where i've had to uh, I've, I've, I've had to drop weight and it is that thing of you know sometimes 
you know, you've got to um, learn those lessons to be like, do you know what? Actually, if I'd have just done this, if I'd have just done that, if I'd have just done what the what the plan was, sometimes because I know it's always because that kind of touches on sort of the um, uh, the 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 what one of the one of the other values that you mentioned and that how that how you have a role as a coach because you know sometimes I think the the client or the athletes will learn those lessons from um right I didn't have the discipline because I was overweight three weeks out from a competition when you know that was something I should have been checked I didn't put the the, the work in or I wasn't disciplined in terms of I don't know pauses on bench or or, or whatever it may be Sometimes, you know, especially when there's RPE or, um, you know, things are going really well, sometimes as a coach trying to hold those back a little bit. And have you had any experience or challenges when it comes to patience in terms of like, look, we don't need to go, you know, balls to the wall right now. We've got, you know, there's competitions later down the line and just trying to, you know, trust the process. How, how have you found sort of, you know, patience and maybe holding lifters back sometimes if you like? Okay, um, uh, so basically we're dealing with it right now, like especially towards peak, um, right? Like you're, you're basically thinking the last, what, seven to 10 days, you're thinking, okay, is this um, set gonna help me or hinder me, you know, for the competition day? Because um, by the time you're peaking, like you're pretty much done all the work, you know, you're just sharpening up. Um, you know, you're not gonna get that much stronger in seven days right? Although like it feels because of the sense of urgency, it feels like you should be doing more or whatever, right? Um, so so th this is kind of like the time where I run into those kinds of instances where, you know, like I'll, I'll at, at least in the, um, on my on-site clients, I'll, I'll look at them and be like, basically like, you know, like if you want to take this weight, that's fine. You know, like again, like it's, it's accountable stuff, like accountability, like they're, most of the people I coach are grown people, right? Um, you know, you can make that decision, but to make that decision, you know, like, yeah, is it, ask yourself first, is it going to help or hinder? If you feel like it's going to help, then cool, take it, you know, um, and, and most of the time, like, I, I, I don't really, uh, I give people, like, ranges to work with, right, so, so long as they work within that range, um, almost, like, well, I'm not going to guarantee anything, but basically, like, you're within the structure that I have provided, yeah. So yeah, like very rarely do they kind of like um, go outside of whatever range that I prescribe anyway. So <clears throat> yeah, yeah. Um, and and you've also uh, mentioned their patience, and then this kind of like the second third time that you mentioned patience, which is cool, right? Like so so I pretty much preach my values, right? Um, but as we uh, as as coaches we develop and we go through our own experiences, um, other coaches will have different values that they find that stuck out to them, right? And in this situation, what I'm reading is that patience is one of the things that, that stuck out to you. Yeah. And that's cool. And basically like, you know, being accepting of, of other coaches values, you know, and some coaches might be about precision or like, you know, how thoughtful the programming is and all the tiny details and all that kind of stuff. And, and that's cool. And that's cool. Like, cause you can see it almost resonate throughout their brand. You know, you don't have to be like, cheesy marketing kind of <laughs> cringe, you know, about it. But like, um, you know, I, I don't know, that's that's something that I, I picked up. Um, you know, you can correct yeah. me. If no, no, it's, it is one of those things because it's that um, uh, sometimes there's that thing of, 
Um, maybe I don't know. Maybe it's ego, or maybe it's it, it's rushing. But it's that thing of look. You know, there's strength is a is a long term is a long term thing. You can always get um, stronger. <clears throat> but it's that thing of you need to be putting like what we said at the start, putting that work in. You need to be following following that plan, which falls down, you know, into the other values that you that you mentioned there. The other thing that you mentioned in terms of um, having a range as well, um, people always like a little bit of freedom, a little bit of um, uh, flexibility rather than having something really rigid. Do you think that sometimes if a program is too rigid, that's where you can maybe force athletes or clients to be like, well, I'm going to give this a go and just slightly go off plan because it's kind of that thing of it's too um, too rigid and, and too planned out. What are kind of your thoughts on that? Um, the way I discuss these kind of instances with my clients and, and they kind of, you know, initially when you take someone new or whatever, like, you know, they, they, you have those kinds of instances, right? And, and the discussions I have with them really is simple, like, and it comes back to those values. Um, it's like, it's about accountability. Look, like I'm accountable for refining your program over time, right? Um, I, but I can't assess the effectiveness of the stuff that I prescribe if it's not being executed on your end, right? So let's just say simple examples, three, three sets of five, right? Um, if you're doing three sets of three, how do I know, especially if I'm not told, how do I know if, if three sets of five is, is working? So that's what I'm accountable for is, is sharpening that part of things, um, but you're accountable for, for doing that side of things. Now, if, if you then break program essentially, or, um, if, if you if you break program, um, then you can't then expect me to be efficient with assessing, you know, the effectiveness of the program. So I'm okay with people doing that stuff. Um, but I'm just like, you know, uh, I, I just have that conversation of people are trying to do their jobs. You're trying to do your job. I get it. You know, cool. I'm trying to do my job too. But um, for us to be both be able to do our job to the best, you know, um, you know, possible for, for both of us, then, you know, we're gonna, we're gonna have to be aware of what our jobs are, right? And then, you know, be accountable for it. Now, you said, basically, with the rigidity, the more rigid it is, or the, the assumption is the more, more rigid it is, um, the, the more likely someone will break it, right? That's kind of like a diet kind of thing, thinking, yeah. right? Um, <clears throat> well, the way, so, some people need to learn rigidity. <laughs> Let's put it that way. Um, sometimes, does that exactly like sometimes um, the val the thing that's holding you back is because you can't follow structure, right? Some some sometimes the thing that's holding other people back is because they can't auto regulate well or they can't make those decisions. And depending on your assessment of the athlete and what you think is holding them back, and that's kind of like your job as a coach, right? depending on your assessment of the athlete, that's the conversation that needs to be had. And, and that has to trickle down through the programming. <coughs> um, does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. And I, I'm really glad it sort of uh, uh, you um, mentioned that in terms of, you know, sometimes people do need structure. That's the whole point of, you know, that's why people look for coaches, you know, and, you know, try to have somebody that it's a little bit like, um, I always use the, I don't know why, but I always use the analogy of a car. It's a little bit like you wouldn't try and fix that yourself. You would go to a mechanic and you you would help from, from there. And then when they say, 
this is what the issue is, you don't be like, well, would it really be this? Would that might be the thing? Yeah. <laughs> it's like sometimes you need you need those answers to be like, this will get you strong. This is the structure that we need. And this is going to get us from point A to point B. And I thought it was really good when you used the analogy there of um I'm a, coming from a, a a rugby background to then, you know, what you think is a, a an individual sport. Yes, you are an individual on the platform if it's weightlifting or, or powerlifting. In a rugby team, everyone's got their job to do on the pitch. And if everyone does their job, you're more likely to score tries or win or whatever it may be. That's the exact same thing when it comes to a coach and an athlete or a coach and a client of, you know, there's there's job lists for both, for both parties there. And you can only find out if things are working or what I thought was really good, what you mentioned there is how can you make sure that it's as an efficient plan as you can to get you from point A to point B. But if you don't know what's going on or there's not communication, which I kind of picked up from there, then you're always going to be fighting an, up, an uphill battle. Um, one thing that I wanted to touch on as well is from the, because obviously we've spoken about, you know, a lot about the values and the and the training side of things. Have you ever found that sometimes with all those things in place that maybe it doesn't, um, the end package doesn't always come to fruition on the platform that maybe sometimes athletes or clients struggle with competition day and how do you kind of um, manage that a little bit if plans have been in place but for whatever reason it's not being executed on on competition day, if that kind of makes for sense. Sure. Also, also that, yeah. For sure, for sure. Um, okay, uh, cool. Like So firstly, um, the way I view competition and and it's funny how kind of for me people talk about like longevity in the sport um but then the way they act is basically they act as though their next next competition is their last right <laughs> um they act as though it's like man this competition is gonna be a big one it's gonna be a big one it's better come right like it better be good like for me i'm not so afraid of failure in that sense right like i'm not so afraid that um, the next competition won't go be go according to plan, right? Um, you just don't have time to think about the the possibility of failure, right? Um, so you'll set up basically the way I approach this is you, you set out the work, okay, um, and then the task is to let's say, like oh well, okay, I'm I'm coaching someone right now that's somewhat somewhat of an important competition like Carlina, she's trying to total um, six hundred at seventy six. Um, this next comp, right? You set out the plan. So, and the task is to achieve 600. That's the task. It's it. Um, if she doesn't make it, then she doesn't make it. That's fine. Well, you know, that's not her last competition, you know? Um, but we don't really consider the thought of, of failing in that sense, right? If she doesn't make it, then we assess, okay, well, for her, she's pretty good at doing her job, right? She, she executes the program, uh, she, I'm there pretty much all the time when she trains. So like, she will we'll bounce ideas off like, okay, how do we do this better? How, you know? Um, so then we can accurately assess the machine or the, or the, the program. Um, then we can refine it over time, right? But part of that, sometimes you can go into competition and have absolute duds, <laughs> you know? And I might have absolute duds in program. And, you know, like for me, that's fine. And, and I have, I have, clients that I talked to about it, like, look, we're going to try this. And for us to assess the effectiveness of this, we are going to have to go through the entire training block and assess in competition day, because that's the only time that it's important, that that's the most important time, right? Okay. Um, 
but that's the task. And what I find, um, and, and this is quite common um, in the industry right now, it's also in strength, uh, in a lot of the strength coaches, is like they've kind of fallen in love with this concept of nine for nine. Um, yeah. it, this, this, you know, um, but what ends up happening is the tasks then is get, gets, the, the difference is, is like in, in powerlifting, as coaches, we can then change the task last minute, right? Like, uh, I help with this. Like, so, so if let's say our goal is to squat 300, right? Yeah. Like, I'm going to put that on the bar in competition, right? I'm not going to change the task last minute because how do I know if my, the, the, the prescription of the program worked or the amount of work that the athletes put in, um, that's their job, obviously. Like, how do I know if that's work unless that task is attempted, right? And if you attempt it and, and you achieve it, then that's awesome, right? Um, yeah, but if definitely. you attempt it and you don't achieve it, that's a failure in you know, the public perception or the public eye. But then, then you get to assess, like, like I said, like, you know, is, is, is the problem the work or is it like a user error thing where it's like it wasn't executed properly? Um, yeah, just because, you know, as coaches or game day coaches, quote, quote, um, cringe, um, <laughs> as, as game day coaches, we, we kind of fall in love with this nine for nine that to bolster our accuracy stats or something like that. You know, but then you don't get to truly assess um, whether or not you're achieving the task. If you're like going into an exam, or, uh, you know, did you study hard enough to answer those questions? It's not like I'm going to go to the exam. And if I didn't study hard enough and I don't know the answers to these questions, I'm going to change them to like easier questions. Does that make sense? Um, <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, how absolutely. I see it. That, uh, you know, kind of, you said you like, and now that's how I see it, you know, and yeah. I'm, and I'm fine with failing, you know, yeah. and I know some athletes aren't, but like, um, I make it known to my athletes that I'm okay if they fail or if, if the, the success in training isn't repeated in the platform or, you know, it's okay for me. Cause then we get to, we get to sharpen the, sharpen the, you know, whatever it may be, maybe the program, it may be um, the nutrition. It may be that like, you know, you're training under false positive um, situations where you're like training heavy and then you can't repeat that because, you know, you're just basically, you know, uh, I don't know, squatting in a different body shape than what you were in, in training. Um, but yeah we, yeah, we don't get to truly assess that if, if we don't put it on the bar, if you, you know, and, and if you're too afraid to fail, that you don't actually test the, the, the task. Um, yeah, absolutely. I think it's what, what I kind of got from there, because it's that thing of, um, again, coming from a, a sort of a team sport background, and obviously you mentioned about, you know, coach, coaching <laughs> spot there. It's that thing of, you know, you're never going to go through an entire season, you know, undefeated. Sometimes it does happen very, very rarely. Um but, you know, you are going to learn more from um, a loss to be like, right, okay, so what did we do there, right? Well, we did do this or we did do that. And, I, you know, I think sometimes that's going to be um, uh, you need to, you know, assess uh, assess what's going on from there. And if the task is like what you say, squat 300, right, then that's what we're going to aim for. Um, obviously, you know, um, the if you only got three three lifts obviously you know it can be the the assessment of right then what can be improved from that sorry go on but that's but but that's what i mean like you don't have three lifts like your next comp is not your last you have three more lifts next time you compete 
but that's how people think that you know what I mean like um you have a limited number of tips I I, I understand I understand the way of thinking um and we're not going to be silly with it right like we're not going to set goals that are completely unattainable <laughs> like if I squat 150 it's like no 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 I want to squat you know 250 in six weeks you know like it's not going to be that kind of level of silliness um uh but but the next comp is not immediately last. You don't just have three squats. You have three after that, and then three after that. Like it's okay. Yeah. If if that makes sense at all. Definitely. Because it's that thing of, and I I literally had it. Um so I had a guy who competed at the um so our uh, my sort of like region um for uh, regional competitions would be like the Yorkshire and Yorkshire and Northeast. Very first competition. Um we had a we had a goal that we or a task that we set out to achieve. Um, we didn't hit that. We missed a couple of lifts. There was a couple of things from there, but you learned from it. Fast forward to his competition over the weekend, PBs across the board. Um, he matched his squat PB, increased his total, and you know there was a lot of things that we learned from there. The only thing that we couldn't um, have, have learned from was that it was ridiculously um, hot. It was about uh, yeah, late thirty degrees in the UK, which we never, which we never hit. Which is something that you know we needed to uh, keep on top of. But again, that's something that we can that, that we can learn from there. Do you find that from you know even though if we we are hitting lifts that the um, again one thing that you mentioned was efficient in terms of the training in terms of communication the more experience that we get on the the platform the more that we assess things from our training is the goal to get more efficient when it comes to competition day is that how you kind of work yes yes so um i am a big proponent of basically especially earlier on um in our in a coaching relationship is just compete as often as you can. Um, it sounds silly for most people, but you said that you come from a rugby background. You play how many games a season? Uh, about 20, 20, odd, 20 odd games a season. Yeah, and you're all, it's all max effort, right? You're not loafing around, <laughs> you know? <laughs> well, it depends who you speak to. <laughs> yeah, that's true, that's true. Um, you know, and, and as powerlifter, we kind of like get into this narrative. So, oh, you know, that's too much. You compete too much, you compete. You know, if you're a novice or intermediate even, um, you can compete quite a lot. Um, and um, for me, because um, what um, a lot of, uh, I know uh, some of the coaches do is basically they'll just do like a test day at, at the gym or something like that, or they'll use an emerging strategies kind of um, uh, uh, approach where you're taking the singles so that you can check to see if the prescription is working. That's how you check. Um, but under those conditions, those aren't really even the conditions that you will truly, that will truly be important to you. People say like, you know, that doesn't matter because meat day is important. All right, well then let's have more meat days to test under in, in those conditions, you know, like, um, um, you know, compete four or five times a year because depends on the federation or the nation that you're competing under, you might not have that many comps, right? But let's say you're competing, you know, four or five times a year. Um, now you have, four or five earlier on in the coaching um coaching relation they have four or five different uh, peaking uh blocks that you can potentially explore right um by the time you finish the first year of coaching um you've tried like four or five different peaking methods for this person you've tried 
four or five different approaches in, in, in programming, um, you know, you would have learned a whole bunch as a coach in terms of um, what works for that individual. Um, and, and that's why competing is important. And then from an athlete standpoint, the ebbs and flow of um, competing, you know, like if you're pretty much based in the same area, you'll learn things like, okay, well, my federation likes to have, I don't know, four squat racks in the warm-up room for, you know, flight of 16. So I have to be somewhat efficient. The pace of the warm-ups, you know, or they like to have this bench or, or that rack, all the small stuff, it adds up. Like, you know, that like when you go to that venue, this is the kind of training uh, warm-up equipment that you're going to get. This is, the, this is the kind of heat, this is the kind of space that you'll get to sprawl out all your gym gear and all that kind of stuff. Um, and then, you know, a few years down the line, your, your quote, seasoned athlete, um, you know, and you would have learned a whole bunch and, you know, you know exactly what you're doing on the more important parts of your, you know, of your lifting career, you know, two, three years down the line. Ideally, you would have developed, right, <clears throat> um, to a contender. Um, but by then, you, there's not a lot of uncertainties. Um, and yeah, you're competing, making weight, you're lifting when the bar is loaded, not when you're ready. Um, you have officiating, so the standard, you know, th all those variables are controlled for you. Um, yeah, does that make sense? Yeah, definitely. And uh, there was a couple of things that you said there in terms of, you know, the learning, <laughs> the assessing. And uh, it was also interesting there that you mentioned, um, you know, some timeframes there, because, you know, it's that thing of, you need to um, do different blocks of training or, you know, prepare for those competitions. It's not just going to be, um, well, we've not got stronger in two weeks. So let's just, let's just change it around. Again, those, th those things take time. And that's kind of what I wanted to, um, uh, which nicely uh, flows nicely into the, the next part that I wanted to chat about in terms of it's very rare. Um, I mean, sometimes it does happen where somebody bursts on the scene and, you know, they go from regionals to nationals to international competitions, whereas, you know, people who have um, stayed in the game for a long time and have had repeated success, you know, is maybe later down where they've, you know, like what you've mentioned, learned those things. Do you think that to go from being, um, like you mentioned there, to be sort of a, a, a contender, to be challenging, you know, um, for titles or records, the need to go through that process and, you know, tying back into what we spoke about at the start in terms of the values, the need to cycle through those values to then get to a point where, you know, they're um, increasing their competitiveness as a, as a lifter. Does that, does that kind of make sense? No, no, I, I do. I do understand what you're trying to say. I think... Um, we're at an interesting part of our sport or, 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 or years of our sport where there are those people that burst into the scene, right? Um, because our sport is relatively young and, and in my opinion, unpolished. There's still, like I said, like a lot of voices that are preaching different methods. We don't really, people like to think they do, but we don't really know what we're doing. Um, uh, that's why the, the result, like, like if we knew what we're doing, um, you know, someone can't just come out of nowhere and then all of a sudden break our records, if that makes sense. Like that doesn't happen in the NBA or in the NFL, you know, maybe LeBron James, like, you know, that's the one guy <laughs> that did it, you know, uh, in the history, right? Um, so we don't really know what we're doing. And, and that's why like a lot of these people come out of the woodwork. But as the sport progresses, I think that becomes a lot more difficult 
then you do have to go through that process of taking, I don't know, it depends on um, the, probably for me, like the athletic background uh, of the person. Um, you know, it might take two to four years. It might take longer, um, you know, and to go through that process of learning all these things, uh, learning about your own programming. Um, it makes it a lot harder when you jump around coaches, right? Um, you jump around coaches or you like change your technique a whole bunch, you know, throughout the two to four years. Cause then like, kind of like what you said, like, you know, it take two weeks, it's like, oh no, this isn't working. We're back to the drawing board, you know, like then you're constantly changing stuff. Um, so it's really hard to truly test, right? So like if we were to try like a training method, like a, a, in a program or like, um, like maybe we go from heels to flats on squatting or something like that we would commit to the whole training block and then go into the comp. And if you shit the bit, you shit the bit. Sorry, am I allowed to swim? <laughs> of course you can. Of course you can. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> if you shit the bit, you shit the bit, right? And be like, okay, well, throw the heels out. You know what I mean? Like, um, it, it's just one of those things um, that some some people do have to go through that. Um, and, and I think as, we, as the sport develops, pretty much everyone will have to go through that and it will take years to get good at the sport. Um, but because our sport's so young, you would get these quote unquote freaks come in and all of a sudden they're a contender. And, and, and I understand why it's like that. Yeah, I thought that was quite an interesting point. It might be a little bit of a tangent, but um, one thing that you said there is the athletic background of the athlete. And you do kind of see people coming from other sports, um, giving you know powerlifting, strength training a go because it's kind <laughs> of, you know, they already maybe have done some strength training uh, to some extent from a sporting background. Why not give, um, why not give, um, uh, you know, powerlifting or weightlifting a go? A prime example is um, Emily Campbell, um, the uh, uh, GB weightlifter. Yeah, she um, she came from an athletics background. Obviously, did weightlifting for her S and C, and now she's absolutely smashing it. I use Emily Campbell as a, as an example because I, she was in the same year that I went to, she, she was in fact, she was on the same course uh, when I, when I was at university. So right. it is interesting that you do see um, people from various backgrounds and they're coming in because they've got those, which again, it, it, to be honest, it might be a nice way to kind of, to round, to round this up in terms of they've already learned like what you said at the start from sport, you learn values and they, <laughs> if they have that from sport, they can put that more into their training so that it's ne not necessarily anything magic that's happening with their training. They just know that they need to rock up however many times a week they need to go through this process, you know, and, and, and get stronger and like what you say, rock up and break records or win medals or anything like that. Whereas, you know, I think there's a, a lot can be learned from those, those values that we spoke about at the start of the chat, because, I think the entry point to get involved in strength training is quite low. Anybody can get involved in, in, in powerlifting, but that can't be all you do. You know, we can see people from other backgrounds, like what you've mentioned, you know, weightlifting, CrossFit, myself in terms of rugby, there's always going to be a strength element in the background. However, you know, it's those values that keep being you being able to progress. Um, so yeah, I thought that kind of came full, full circle there, which was, which, which was really good. Um, the, the last question that I like to ask, and thanks a lot for taking the time to to, to jump on, oh, um, some, some some really good um, topics of conversation there. But the the last question that I like to ask for everything that we've spoken about there, what would be your take home points or words of wisdom? 
Um, oh, to who? To coaches or to uh, coaches, lifters, who, whoever, whoever's listening. Okay. Um, find answers no matter where they come from. Don't don't be married to your process. Don't be married to your way of doing things because the outcome is the priority. Um, as coaches, sometimes we get up on in our in our heads and then we kind of get in love with our process that when a poor outcome is presenting itself or a mediocre outcome even presenting itself in, in your face, you're then doing a whole bunch of mental gymnastics as to to justify why the process is okay, but the outcome isn't, right? Yeah. Um, you know, just basically like, like Bruce Lee said, be like water, <laughs> you know, and, and in this situation, like your athlete is, is, is the, the vessel, right? Um, if the more in love with you, you are with your process, um, the, the more in love with you are with your process, the more blind you become to its effectiveness or ineffectiveness. Um, yeah. If that makes sense. Love is blind. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I, th <laughs> I thought there was uh, uh, some, some uh, rehearsed answers there. I thought that was, that, that, that was, that was really good. It's the, it is that thing of, you know, um, what, there's that again, I'm, I'm the worst with, I love analogies, but I'm the worst with, with remembering, remembering quotes. It's that thing of, you know, if you feel like you've got the, you, you've got the answers, then, um, you need to go, you need to go find some more. Like it isn't, there's always different things that you can, that, that, that you can learn and, um, you know, work with that person that's in front of you. So yeah, I thought that was some really good, um, words of, words of wisdom to finish with. Yeah. I'll I'll give you a reserve answer. Okay. Ready? Um, the less you know, the more you think, and the more you'll learn. Hopefully, hopefully, I can remember that one. You do better than me than remembering remembering quotes from yeah. there. I like it. But That's also, it. if they if they made it through all my like um, my my rants like throughout this <laughs> podcast, hopefully they they get to that part of the. <laughs> <laughs> That's it, everyone. Everyone, keep listening. Keep listening. Keep listening. Um, <laughs> yeah, thanks. Uh, thanks a lot, Dom, for taking the time uh, to jump no, on. No really, really enjoyed chatting with you today. Um, for anyone listening who might have any questions about what we've chatted about today, um, uh, reach out to you and ask questions or see the content that you um, put out there <laughs> or even get involved in coaching with you. Where can people find you or reach out to you? Um, I'm probably the most active in Instagram, NZ Powerlifting Academy. Um, yeah, just that NZ Powerlifting Academy. Um, yeah, yeah. Instagram is probably the, the one that most lifters are, are or probably most of your listeners will, will go through. Yeah, definitely. It's the um, uh, the all conquering uh, Instagram. Let's see, that, that's where that's where everything is. Um, but no, um, uh, thanks a lot for taking the time uh, to jump on. Really, really appreciated it. Um, thanks a lot to everyone listening, and I will see you all next week. Thank you.